genealogies, but I don't like I don't like skipping anything. I don't like skipping anything, you know. So we're gonna we're gonna do the deal. And what you gonna what we're gonna see today? Let me just give you the long and short of it before we start. We won't do the whole chapter. We'll just do down to verse eighteen or so. Today's as we we're, we're kind of summarizing. Uh, Moses is writing Genesis. He's going to kind of summarize Abraham's Abraham's life and his family. And so you're going to get two different genealogies in this section, and you're going to get the account of the death of of Abraham. And so we're coming to the end of Abraham's story, and then of course you know we're going to pick up with Isaac as we uh, start into the next sections. And uh, basically, if you have well, we we don't need to lose sight of the fact that Genesis is about the promises of God. It's about God's promise and God's activity to keep his promises. So, you know, I can go through the whole thing again with you if you want about how promised the seed and that seed's going to crush the serpent's head and we know its fulfillments in Christ and what we've been doing is watching that promise go down through, you know, down through the families of Seth and Noah and and Abraham and we're going to see that promise now, the blessing of Abraham, the blessing of God's promise move to Isaac as we look at this section. And there's a lot of questions in this section that we'll be able to talk about. But uh, uh, what you're going to see here is in this section from verses 1 through 18 or so, it's a lot of, it's two genealogies and it's a recount of the death of Abraham. But in this section, as we read the details, you're going to see at least four, probably five promises of God fulfilled. That he had promised at one time or another to different people, to Abraham, to Ishmael, to Isaac. You're going to see four or five. It's the account of the fulfillment of God's promises. And so you probably could take it, you know, at the end of it's almost like a list. God promised this and God fulfilled it. God promised this and God fulfilled it. God promised this and God fulfilled it. So before we even begin reading a bunch of names that y'all probably never heard of or won't ever hear again, uh, you need to understand that what we're doing is we're not just giving a history lesson about what happened to Abraham. We are seeing the fulfillment of the promises of God. And that gives you and I, um, I mean, it gives you and I hope that God is a, a never changing God and he will always fulfill his promises, always. And so there's promises for you and I in scripture as well. And those promises are going to come to pass uh, no matter what goes on, no matter from internal things where we saw Abraham jeopardizing the promise on his own because of his sin and stupidity. God came and acted to save his promise. Uh, we saw armies come in from outside and things oppose Abraham and God acted to save his promise. And the same way that God did Abraham in order to bring forth the seed, the Messiah, he is going to he is going to protect his word, his unchangeable word to you as well. That makes sense? Y'all with me? All right, so there's the context. So pay attention. We're going to pay attention to the promises today as we talk about these things. In verses 1 through 4, let me just read them. It says, Then again, remember Sarah just died. Then again, Abraham took a wife, and her name was Keturah. And she bore him Zimron, and Jokshan, and Medan, and Midian, and Ishbak, and Shuah, and Jokshan begot Sheba, and Dedan, and the sons of Dedan were Asherim, and them two right there, and sons of Midian, Ephah, and Ephra, and Hanak, and Abadah, and Eldah, all these were the children of Keturah. Now who is Keturah? 
That's the that's the new wife. Actually, it was she's probably she's thought of. It says she is his wife, but she's thought of more as a concubine, just like Hagar. Remember, it says he took Hagar as his wife, but her children didn't get any of the inheritance, and he, you know, they. So she's thought of more as she was his wife. So I'm not saying she wasn't, but she's thought of more as a kind of a, a concubine or or second class wife, the same way Hagar was. And this is just the recount of. Uh, he had six more kids with this chick, and they had ten grandkids. They had ten grandkids. Huh? Now, see, that's a good question, because there is some discussion. Uh, at this time, he's going to be a hundred and, what, twenty? He died at a hundred and thirty-seven. Is that right? 175. 175. Yeah, it's Sarah that died at 127. So 175, he is going to be, she died at 127. He's going to be 137. He's 10 years older than her. Yeah. But I was going to also say, yeah, he's a heck of a man. But I was also going to say, there is some discussion about whether or not he took this wife before she died. You know, like, so, I mean, that that's really neither here nor there. I'm just saying there are some some people who say, because what we're going to see here later is um, Abraham, he, his death is going to be recounted. And then we're going to get to Isaac and the birth of Jacob and Esau. And by the dates, by the ages of them, you're going to see that Abraham was alive when Jacob and Esau were born. Uh, and so it, there's some question about whether he's actually just doing it in a chronological order or whether he's just saying, Hey, by the way, Abraham took another wife and he had all these kids and he sent all those kids to the east. So there's some question about that, but I don't think it's beyond the pale of, I, I mean, if I'm just reading it and not knowing about any of the discussions, I'm thinking this is after Sarah died. And then that's probably the viewpoint that I take. And which means 137, <laughs> you know, he's still going to live another 50 years, you know, or 40 years. 40 something years and so you know he's got he's got a long time to wait before he dies and so yeah he's having a bunch of kids now this and at the end of this section we're going to talk about Ishmael and his descendants what promise does this fulfill now do you recognize any of those names I mean, probably not many. Dedan Asherim is where the Assyrians, the Asher, people of Asher come from. Uh, the Midians, you're going to see the Midianites and Judges. And you're going to see all, all those different kind of, all these different kind of peoples. And then at the end of this section, you're going to see uh, Ishmael's uh, descendants and his line and the, the sons of his. What promise, is that, is that fulfilling any promise that God gave to Abraham? Yeah, he said you're going to be the father of many nations. Not just, he is going to be the father of the nation of God, the people of Israel, the line through which the sea is going to come. But he's also going to be the father of many, many other nations. And so you see that he, his, God is keeping his promise. Not only is up to this point, remember he had, he had two kids. He had Ishmael who got sent away. And then he got, had Isaac who was the promised son. And so... If he's, Sarah's now dead, and so he is getting to the twilight years of his life, and this is a promise of God that's unfulfilled. Because all you got is two kids. You're not, not going to be the father of many nations unless, I guess it could be that 
You know, your kids have many nations, but uh, you're not really going to be the father of many nations. But here you see the f- promise fulfilled. After Sarah's death, Abraham takes this wife and you see the, you know, the kids start having kids. And then the kids start having kids, six kids and ten grandkids. And, of course, they multiply and exponentially after that. And so Abraham truly was the father of many nations. Even this promise, I'm thinking Abraham might not have, it seems like the focus of the text has always been on Isaac. The promise of the seed. Remember? Promise of the seed. We're waiting on the son. Waiting on Isaac. Waiting on... And this promise of many nations might have been... I mean, this is just me thinking out loud. It, It seemed like by reading through the text that it's like... Well, you know, that's just a little promise, you know. The big promise is Isaac and the salvation that's going to come through his line. The, the, you know, we, we kind of forget about the many nations promise. But the thing that we see here is that God didn't forget about it. If God says it, it's going to come to pass. Even, even what we think is the little bitty promise that really pales in comparison next to the big promise. Uh, those little bitty promises are also going to come to pass. And they're going to come to pass exactly how God says they're going to and in his and in his timing. And so he has all these new kids now, right? But he continues to protect the inheritance of Isaac. In verse 5 it says, And Abraham gave all that he had unto Isaac, but unto the sons of the concubines, which is why I said this wife was more thought of as a concubine, uh, which Abraham had, Abraham gave gifts and he sent them away from Isaac, his son, while he yet lived eastward unto the east country. OK, so he protected the why is he sending the kids east? That's right. What? Yeah, to do that and to protect Isaac, his inheritance. Where did, where, what's east of, he's living, you know, southern promised land. What's east of that? Anybody know? No, you got to go way east if you go get to India. But yeah, that's east of that. But right there is the Arabian Peninsula, you know, the Saudi Arabia, that the, uh, the Middle Eastern Peninsula. And so you're going to see Ishmael's, Ishmael's kids are going to all settle right there, you know, where that, that Arabian, Arabian land. He sent them east. He sent them east to protect Isaac. Why is he protecting Isaac's inheritance? They're not going to be around. He, they are not going to be around to claim, if Abraham dies, to claim Isaac's inheritance. Why? That should be an easy question. Because he's still the son of promise. He's still the son of promise. Abraham knows God has said he is going to be the heir. He is going to be the one through the line, uh, through the, the seed of the woman comes, who we know is Jesus Christ. And so Abraham is protecting that seed. He's protecting that promise. Now, is that that sounds kind of cruel, doesn't it? You know, hey, you know, we just had another kid. Hallelujah. Grew up a little bit. All right, get out. Right. You don't get no inheritance. You don't get like no part of my family. Second class except Isaac. Huh? It's like everybody's being treated as second class people. It almost seems that way, doesn't it? It doesn't. Now, do you think it's, do you think it's, what would you be thinking if you were one of the kid, one of the six kids that he sent east? 
Now he gave them gifts. So I'm not saying it's like, you got to get out. We don't love you anymore. Whatever. You know, I'm just, he, he gave them gifts and he gave them part of, you know, his wealth and he sent them east to go start their own family. It's not like he booted them out. It could have been, you know, maybe like a custom back then that when they reach a certain age that they need to learn accountability and they need to learn how to handle things on their own. So maybe so, maybe so. But if I was one of his kids, I'd be like, why ain't Isaac got to go? Yeah, Y'all parents ever heard that? How come he ain't got to go? I mean, the previous verse, it says, you know, Abraham gave Isaac all he had for the Christian gift. Yeah, he gave Isaac all he had. Isaac was the, Isaac was the, favorite. the well, he was his favorite, but he was the chosen, what God had chosen Isaac as the promised inheritor. But I also think that Abraham is steadfast enough in the Lord and trust and loves the Lord enough that this isn't, that he's telling his other children this. This is a promise of God. This is who God has set apart. It doesn't change my love for you, but this is who God has chosen. Yeah. How'd that make you feel if he's one of the kids? It's like it's like Jennifer, we love you, but Dustin is the chosen oh, one. That is so true. <laughs> 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 That's right. <laughs> now, but think about think about this though. Think about let's get it in the perspective of Genesis of uh, what exactly we're talking about. We know that the culmination of these promises and what God is doing even all the way in these early books of the Bible is he's getting ready to bring forth the Messiah. He's getting ready to bring forth Christ to fulfill all of these things. So think about this. The way that, the way that I tend to think about it is if Abraham does not send these children away, then there's going to be no hope for any of their salvation. There's going to be no hope for if Isaac does not inherit the line, if, if he allows one of the children to stay and there's a battle for the inheritance or they you know, go to killing each other, whatever, then that means everybody's doomed. Everybody's damned. Everybody's gone. Uh, by sending these children away, he does it in love. He gives them the, you know, part of his, his stuff, his, his money, his whatever, gives them gifts. By sending them the, away, he is protecting the uh, inheritance of Isaac, but he is also uh, acknowledging that God has promised. What did God promise through the line, through the seed of the woman, through Isaac? He promised that all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And the Apostle Paul in Galatians 3 takes that promise and says it's the gospel. God preached the gospel to Abraham by saying in him all the nations will be blessed. You see what I'm saying? So what he is doing, he's doing out of love for his children. Uh, he wants to see them reconciled to God. He wants to see them uh, have possession of, of you know all that is due them. He wants to see the blessing of God come upon them. The only way that's going to happen is if Isaac fulfills, if God fulfills through Isaac the promise that he has given. Does that make sense? Make sense? Everybody good? Now, I want you to think about the reason why I read those first four verses and I made sure to read all those names that you probably never heard of and probably never will again, uh, because there is a prophecy in Isaiah chapter 60. Let me turn there real quick and I'll read it to you. 
Isaiah, the last, I don't know, six, ten, six or ten chapters of Isaiah talks about uh, the time when the kingdom is fulfilled and God's salvation reigns on the earth and all those things like that. And Isaiah chapter 60, I want to read verse 6 and 7 to you. It says, uh, he's talking about salvation coming to the world and all that. It says, the multitude of camels shall cover thee, uh, the dromedaries of Midian and Ephah and all they from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense. They shall show forth praises of the Lord and the flocks of Kedar shall gather together unto thee. These rams of Naboth shall minister unto thee and they shall come up with acceptance on mine altar. That means they'll be accepted at my altar. I will glorify the house of my glory. Now, if you're reading that, there's lots of parts in Isaiah that you're reading and you're like, I don't even understand none of that. What are, that, what are they even talking about? Who are those people that we just mentioned, those names? Those are the names of the grandkids that Abraham sent off. They're the same names that we just read in Genesis chapter 25, verses 1 through 5. And so if you were an Israelite and you were reading this prophecy in Isaiah about Ephah and Midian and Sheba and all these people coming and being accepted on the altar of God and being received into the house of God, what does that remind you of? If you're an Israelite. It reminds you of Abraham sending these away so that Isaac could receive the promise. The prophecy is there's going to come a time when salvation comes upon the earth, when the seed is brought forth, we know is Jesus Christ, and all of that is culminated, that these peoples are going to be brought back to, basically they're Gentiles. They're, these Gentiles are going to be brought back into uh, the family of God. They're going to be accepted at the altar of God. That's what Isaiah says. So... The, the, him sending them away doesn't mean that they're hopeless and they'll never be accepted. Y'all are looking at me like, what? Everybody got that? Y'all understand? Any questions? Okay. It, it doesn't mean they're hopeless or they'll never be accepted. He is sending them away so that they will be accepted. Does that make sense? Let's go back to where in Romans it says that all Israel will be saved. Is that part of the promise there? Well, uh, in Romans, he's talking about all Israel will be saved. When he, I, I believe that he is talking about all Israel as in those who are in Christ right. will be saved. You know, Now there's coming a time, he says Romans 11, that there will be, the, the Jews will turn right. back to Christ. Right. Right. And so, but Israel, he says in that same part, not all Israel is of Israel. Right. Neither is the right. seed of the flesh because of the, or the children of the flesh, Israel because of the children of the flesh. Is there any questions? But with that showing that they were accepted at the altar, that's just a, a, kind of like a um, confirmation that where it says uh, God told Abraham that I will bless those that bless these and curse those. That yes. You know, he's still going to bless his line, whether it's the correct line or, or not. That's right. And whether basically all a lot of people draw their line, lineage back, can draw their lineage back to Abraham. And these children are blessed because they are Abraham's children. They are blessed. Now, they're not the promised seed. They're not the line of the chosen line of God through whom Jesus is going to come and all that. But they are blessed because all of them will be that prophecy in Isaiah showed that all of them will be gathered back to back to salvation, basically.
And of course we know, don't lose sight of this, is that the gathering back of all the people that are scattered is in Jesus Christ. That's what the prophecy is pointing to. It's not just, hey, all Abraham's kids are coming back and it's time to party. You know, it's that Jesus has brought all, all the people back, those who trust in him, no matter if they're Gentile, Jew, male, female, slave, free, they're brought back in Christ. Y'all with me? Kind of going, going, I don't want to say off kilter, but does this not point to like the 70 week of Daniel when Christ was talking about this, uh, maybe the 70th week where he said he's going to bring everybody back? Uh, some people would say so, yeah. yeah. I don't see, you know, that's that's definitely off our subject, but right. I don't see a gap okay. between the 69th, 70th week. I'd be, I'd be a different okay. different stripe than that. Okay. Um, the seed is, uh, uh, the prophecy we just read, the nation promise is fulfilled. So that's the first promise. I will make you the father of many nations has been fulfilled. Now we're going to look at Abraham's death. And these are the days of the year of Abraham's life, which he lived, a hundred and three score and fifteen years. How old is that? One hundred seventy-five years. He's an old dude. <laughs> Even for this time, that's pretty old. You know, after the flood, most people only lived one hundred and twenty years, um, and so he's a pretty old guy. It says, then Abraham gave up the ghost, which means he breathed his last, and died in a good old age, an old man. Full of years and was gathered to his people. Um, is that a promise of God? No. no? Genesis fifteen fifteen. God promised Abraham what? Oh, that he would live a long life. He said, you will live a long life and you will go to your fathers in peace. God promised him. Genesis 15, 15. So you see another promise fulfilled. Abraham did live a good long life. Even for those days. I mean, that's a pretty long time. And it says here that he lived. Abraham gave up the ghost. He died at a good old age. An old man and full of years. Um, basically, it, it just says full. He was full. Which means he lived a, a satisfied life. He died full of... He died at peace, basically. Uh, that's exactly what God promised in Genesis 15, 15, that he would go to his fathers in peace. He dies. I mean, thinking, think about it. He's, he's got all his kids, you know, around him. We're going to see here in a minute that Ishmael even came home and he and Isaac buried him together. Uh, he's seen grandkids born. He saw his, his uh, promised son, Isaac, born. He saw God's promise fulfilled. He... Uh, 175 years old, so he's been in the promised land how long? When did, 100 years. Been in the promised land 100 years. Um, later, we're going to see that Isaac is, Isaac was born when Abraham was how old? 100 years old. That's right. So if Abe dies at 175, how old is Isaac? 75. That's pretty easy math. Come on, y'all. Uh, 75 years old. Later, we're going to see in Genesis, in this same chapter, verse 26, it's going to say that Jacob and Esau were born when Isaac was 60 years old. So, 
Abraham saw the birth of Jacob and Esau. He saw the birth of his grandchildren from the line of promise. He saw, so all of these things, Abraham has lived a life with, with God uh, protecting him and, and, and watching over him, giving him promise after promise. He has lived a full life. He's, he's, now he's died satisfied. And I want to show you that one little phrase at the end of that verse in verse 8 that says, and was gathered to his people. Uh, a lot is made about that little phrase. Um, Abraham's going to be buried in that cave that he bought. Who's buried there? Sarah. 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 Nobody else. Where are Abraham's people? Where are they buried? Back in Ur. Back in, yeah, back in Haran. They're from Ur of the Chaldees, but back in Haran. Uh, Abraham's not going to be buried back with them folks. He's going to be buried with Sarah. So when Abraham gets buried there, it's only going to be two people in that grave, Sarah and Abraham. Now later on, Isaac's going to be buried there. Rebecca's going to be buried there. Leah's going to be buried there. Jacob's going to be buried there. But right now, it's just Abraham and Sarah in that grave. So when it says he was gathered to his people, it, it shows us that it's, a, it's an Old Testament way to point to there is life beyond the grave. Even then, he is gathered to his people, the people of God that have gone before him. It doesn't just mean he was buried with his folks. Um, you know, he, there's going to be, in the Old Testament, there's going to be different phrases that say he slept with his fathers and means you were buried with your, your, your ancestors and all that kind of stuff. But here, it can't mean that. It means that now the Abraham is with God and he is with his people and he is alive. He's waiting on the consummation of, of all these things. He was gathered to his people. It's a very interesting phrase. It doesn't just say he died. It doesn't just say he left this earth. It says he was gathered with his people. Doesn't that, doesn't that, does that interest you in any way to tell you something about being gathered to your people? Uh, yeah, we're going to be gathered with our people when we die. Yeah. It, it, promise there for us. Absolutely. It makes me think of it makes me think of Moses and Elijah. I always use this when I talk to folks, especially in the hospital, especially people that are on hospice. And, and you know, people have this idea about death that, you know, even safe folks sometimes are scared of death and scared of, you know, and it's a scary thing. I'm not making light of it. It is a scary thing. But um, the reality is that that we will be who we are forever. Like, I'll always be Jason. I mean, that might stink for some of y'all, but I'll always be me. Like, you get to hang out with me for eternity, you know? Okay, I'm insert insert joke right there. I'll be me forever, and you'll be you forever. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus was transfigured before the three disciples, it says in Luke, Moses and Elijah appeared with him, and they were still been dead hundreds and hundreds of years. They were still Moses, and they were still Elijah. And in Luke, it says they spoke to each other, talking about the Exodus from Jerusalem, talking about the crucifixion, about what was about to be accomplished. They were they were still who they were. They were still able to communicate with each other. And so we will be in, we will be who we are forever. I mean, death is, you've heard people say death is just, it's really not the end of anything. It's just changing addresses. That's truly what death is. You will be with the Lord. Go to be absent from this body, to be present with the Lord. And to be present with all those who have gone before. I remember having a... 
I had to do a stress thing with a bunch of cardiac rehab deal. They wanted me to teach people about stress. Can you imagine such a thing? And so I said, you know, I'm a preacher, so I'm going to do it from biblical standpoint and no problem. Well, we got in there and they all started arguing about religion. You know, all started arguing about what happens when you die. And my point for them was really stress. If you think about it logically, I mean, it doesn't make much sense because this life is just a vapor and we're going to live forever and there's really nothing to be worried about if you know Christ and all that kind of stuff and you know there are people there that says well God's going to wipe your memory when you die or you're going to be in you know floating around in space and like the force you know did. Uh, no that's not the biblical perspective at all you're going to be who you are forever Abraham was gathered to his fathers even Jesus and I think it's Luke 16 maybe he says when he tells the story of the rich man and Lazarus where did Lazarus go? He went to Abraham's bosom. He went with to where Abraham was at. You know, he went he went there. And what did the man in hell, the rich man in hell, who did he cry out to from hell? Father Abraham. Father Abraham. And what did Father Abraham say? I can't come. Son, I can't come. Yeah. He had a conversation with Abraham. And this is hundreds and hundreds, thousands of years later after Abraham died. And so uh, he gathered to his fathers means that he he died. He died from this life. But he was still Abraham. When you stand before Christ and you're accepted because of Christ, you get to talk to Abraham. Abraham, what was you thinking the second time you told him that your wife was your sister? You big <laughs> dummy. You know, well, you'll get to ask him. You'll get to ask him. One of my main things is thinking about that is, you know, Abraham hollered all of his life when, you know, I'm going to hear this about this promise. But he he didn't get to see all of it. So. No, he didn't. He so understood. I figured when he seen God, he's like, what, what about it, man? You promised me all this. Now, where is it at? Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. He didn't see. Yeah, and Hebrews tells us that he was looking for a country, right. a spiritual country. Right. Um, yeah, built by the built by. Gathered to his people. All right. Promise of life is fulfilled. Long life. Go to your fathers in peace. Genesis fifteen fifteen. Promise fulfilled. Father of many nations. Promise promise fulfilled. Uh, 9 and 10 it says, and his son Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar the Hittite, which is before Mamre. That's the same thing. That's what he bought last week. We saw that. He bought that plot for Sarah to uh, to uh, be buried in. The field which Abraham purchased of the sons of Heth. There was Abraham. I guess I should have just kept reading. Abraham buried and Sarah his wife. Uh, and so Abraham died. Good old age. All those promises fulfilled and now we see that the promise of the Isaac was fulfilled we saw that Isaac and Ishmael buried him together in that field he owns part of the promised land now and then verse 11 and it came to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac and Isaac dwelt by the well at Lahai Roy which is the word well in Hebrew is beer Lahai Roy so it says beer Lahai Roy by beer by um, we see here that God blessed Isaac. What I expected to see was an Abraham blessed Isaac, gave him the inheritance, and then died. But that's not what it says. It says that God blessed Isaac. Why would it say God blessed Isaac? Isaac. God is God Himself transfers the blessing of Abraham to 
Isaac. And the next 10 chapters, you might as well prepare yourself. The next 10 chapters of Genesis is going to be all about how God blessed Isaac. That's what we're going to see is Isaac's life. And so you see the fulfillment here of the promise of the seed, the line, the inheritance, the promise of Abraham moving to moving to uh, uh, Isaac. You see that? The seed promise is being fulfilled. Anybody recognize the well at Lahai Roy, Beer Lahai Roy? It's where Hagar was taught to by God. Yeah, it's where Hagar was saved by God from dying. And what promise was given there? That he take care of her. That he take care of her, and that Ishmael would be, uh, you know, a, a mighty nation, mighty nation. That he was going to do all that, and and in verse twelve through uh, eighteen is the fulfillment of that promise. So you have the promise of many nations fulfilled. You have the promise of long life and dying in peace to Abraham fulfilled. You have the promise of the blessing transferring to Isaac as the promised son fulfilled. You have the promise of the promise that God made to Ishmael. He will be the father of many nations fulfilled. In verse 12 it says, Now these are the generations of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar the Egyptian Sarah's hand made bore unto him. And these are the names of the sons of Ishmael. I'm not going to read all them names. Uh, verse 16 says, These are the sons of Ishmael, and these are their names by their towns and by their castles. It says, Twelve princes according to their nations. Why is that important? Twelve princes. Twelve tribes of Israel. There's twelve tribes of Israel, yes. And there's twelve there's twelve peoples come from Ishmael. But as far as the promises of God, why is that important? Anybody know? Nobody remembers? Genesis seventeen twenty. God promised Hagar at Beer Lahai Roy what? Ishmael's going to survive and he's going to be the father of twelve rulers. God promised. At Bir Lahai Roy, at the place where he saved Hagar, he made a promise that Ishmael would survive and that he would be the father of, of course, great nation, but he would be the father of 12 rulers. And so even that, see, all y'all forgot all about that promise, didn't you? Nobody thought about that promise. It was just a little bitty promise God had made way back in, I don't know, was that nine chapters ago, eight chapters ago? Everybody, we focus on the promise of Isaac. We focus on the promise of Messiah. And those are the, those are the focus of the text. I'm not saying that. But God made promises, little promises, what we would consider little promises anyway, all the way through his interactions with these people and these families. And here it's showing us that every single one of those promises is coming to pass. Every single one of them, God is faithful to keep them. We forget that he promised that Ishmael would be the son of 12 princes. God didn't forget. He didn't forget that his word, when he establishes it, it will always come to pass. Verse 17 talks about Ishmael's death. Uh, these are the years of Ishmael, 130 and 7 years. And he gave up the ghost and died, was gathered unto his people. Verse 18, and they dwelt at Havilah unto Shur, that is before Egypt, as thou goest toward Assyria. And he died in the presence of all his uh, brethren. Uh, that area is, uh, 
right at the northern part of the Saudi Arabian Peninsula. So that's where they all that's where they all settled. That's why people will say you'll hear them say that Ishmael was the father of the Arabs because all his people settled right there in uh, in uh, the top of Saudi Arabia. That word. Go ahead. Now what what I was going to say is what's interesting is that even though um, Ishmael was you know him and his mom were kicked out a long time ago, he still came back for the death of his. Yeah. Yeah, and if you remember, he was kicked out at like six. We say kicked out. He he left at sixteen, but up until that point, he and Abraham had kind of a good relationship. Abraham loved him. <clears throat> Abraham even pleaded for God, pleaded for Ishmael to God, like oh that Ishmael would live before you, that he would be the one. Um, and so it does say a lot that that Ishmael came home to he and Isaac together bury their father. And I think that's one of the things that probably contributed to him dying in peace, is you know what it says because I mean you imagine he's dying, he's he's got his his two firstborn sons with him. He's got grandkids. Uh, he's got, you know, he Ish, uh, Jacob and Esau were born. They're probably about 15, 16 years old at the time Abraham died. Uh, and so he has, he's got his family with him. He's got his family around him. He has got seen the promises of God come to pass over and over and over again in his life. Um, that word presence Verse 18, see the word? He died in the presence of all his brethren. <clears throat> that word literally means in the face of all his brethren. So like uh, many times God will say, uh, you, when it says you come into my presence, he'll say come before my face is what it literally means. And there's a lot, a lot of people that take this to mean uh, that he is against his brethren. He settles in opposition to his brethren and that it kind of explains the the, you know the the tension, the fighting that goes on between the Ishmaelites and the Israelites, which is continuing today. You know, it's still going on today, uh, but it's also a prophecy that was given to us in Genesis chapter sixteen, verse twelve, where he told he told that Ishmael would be a wild donkey of a man, and he would be uh, in opposition to all his brothers, and and so the whole point that I want you to see here as we wrap this thing up is that this is you know if if I wasn't if we weren't going straight through Genesis I promise you I would have skipped this whole section and we would have gone on to Isaac but I don't I don't like skipping anything because it's all God's word and what I think we need to take from this <clears throat> is that at this moment really it's a transition it's a transition from focus on Abraham to Isaac but in this transition you see God at least five promises of God that are fulfilled. Uh, even promises that y'all forgot we read about. Promises that, you know, promises to Ishmael, promises to Isaac, promises to Abraham, just little promises, you know. You're going to die of old age and you're going to die in peace. That promise was fulfilled. Ishmael is going to be the king, he's going to be the father of 12 princes. That promise was fulfilled. Ishmael's going to be a wild donkey of a man and he's going to be against all his brethren. That promise is fulfilled. He's going to see, you, you just see that he's going to be the father of many nations. That promise is fulfilled in the grandkids that were 
were shipped off. And so over and over again, at least five right here, promises. You've got the promise, you got the fulfillment. You got the promise, you got the fulfillment. And what I think we should take from this, uh, especially noting who we are in Jesus Christ and the promises that we have, is that the promises of God are always going to be fulfilled. Always. There is no, even what we might consider a tiny word, a tiny promise, and not that big of a deal. Even those promises of God, every word of the mouth of God is going to come to pass. He doesn't forget what he's spoken. He doesn't forget what he's promised. He doesn't forget what he has uh, promised to his people. He will always bring his word to pass and he will move heaven and earth to do so. And you and I can take comfort from that because we have promises. We have promises that, you know, that um, he'll never leave or forsake us. You know, we go walk through the shadow, valley of the shadow of death and we can fear no evil. We have promises uh, throughout the Old and the New Testament about who God is and about what he's going to be in our lives. And we can take every single one of those promises, even the ones that just don't seem like they're big, huge promises and we can trust that God is going to keep his word to us. That makes sense? Y'all with me? I know this was a hard section. It's not wasn't as wasn't as you know, it's not as an interesting read as some of the other sections in Genesis. And so I know it's it's hard to get through some of this stuff. Any questions, comments? Yes, ma'am. Um on when back when we first started reading and it was God who made the covenant with Abraham, you know, when he walked through the, the pieces, yes. Do you think it was because it was God, you know, he tried to have Abraham do this, but Abraham kept messing it up. And so God himself made the covenant. Do you think that's why it was God who blessed Isaac? Just to, you know, he didn't give, he didn't give a chance for anybody else to mess this up. <laughs> I'm making this with you. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could see it that way. Um... Well, it was God's covenant to start with. I know that, but he and so, Abraham, you know, he had tried to give Abraham, put some faith in Abraham, and Abraham kept failing him. He was yeah, Abraham messed it up a bunch. Um, the God blessed, I don't know, uh, God blessed Isaac because it was God's covenant with Abraham that transferred. What what we God didn't just say, you know what, Abraham's an old dude and he's dying, and so I'm just gonna bless Isaac. Uh, he it, this was a transfer of we're seeing a transition between Abraham is dying and he's going to be with his fathers and we're seeing the promise move from Abraham now to Isaac and then we're going to see it go through Isaac's life and then of course you know the story of Jacob and Esau we're going to see the promise uh, Isaac is going to get ready to die and the promise is going to move from Isaac to Jacob and then from Jacob to his 12 sons and then to that nation and from that nation, one is going to be born from the tribe of Judah. And he holds the promise. Of course, we know that's Christ. Um, and so that is the that is the storyline of the Bible. So when it says Abraham blessed, when it says God blessed Isaac, um, you need to see that this is what it's all about. I mean, if you've ever cracked open your Old Testament and you start reading, you're like, I don't understand none of that. What is he talking about? Who are all these people? 
You can go back to the storyline. The point is that he gave this promise in Genesis chapter 3. And that promise, all you're doing is you're watching the bouncing ball. You know, you're watching the promise move from this person to that person, to this family, to this nation, to this king, to this king's line, to his descendants, all the way down to this little teenage girl named Mary who has the Messiah. And there he is. There's the fulfillment of the promise that was given way back in Genesis chapter 3. And so what happens a lot of times when we are just, what is going on? I don't know what's happening in the Bible. You know, the Bible is just too hard for me to understand. What it means is we've lost the storyline. We've lost the storyline as to what's going on. And that's when, yeah, I mean, you ever pick up a, you ever go buy a novel and you open it up in the middle and start reading? I mean, good luck. Who are these people? Why are they here? What are they doing? You know, what's the plot? What's the, you can't, you can't read a book that way. You ever start watching a movie in the middle of the movie? You don't have any idea what's going on. you got to hold on to that storyline to see how the pieces in Scripture fit together. The point is, it's all about Jesus. It's all about the promise of God being fulfilled in Christ. And that was a long answer to the question. I'm sorry. Did I answer it? That was great. Okay. All right. Everybody good? Any questions? Next week, we'll start talking about Jacob and Esau and Isaac and uh, the kids was fighting before they even come out their mama. Bunch of heathens. <laughs> all right, let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. Thank you for all that you've